1: Hi everyone, it's Ragu back with uh, my old, old buddy who's, he's very old, Gagan <laughs> Levy.
2: Oh, I'm 37 years old and I I've know, known
1: you. are getting old, today. okay.
2: I love you dearly, but we've been together for thousands of lifetimes. Yeah, so, I guess so
1: that's it, that. yeah, so that's it. And we are so pleased to have Sister Jenna with us here today. Thank you for being here and hi.
0: Hi, Om Shanti.
1: Om Shanti.
0: I have a bit of an allergy, so it might sound quite um, musical. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> nice.
2: great. The harmonies are perfect. That's
1: <laughs> nice. All right, I I, um, I really do want to know. Uh, I you know, I've read so much about all of the wonderful work that you do, Sister Jenna. And uh, by the way, people, of course, in our show notes, you'll be able to go to. BeHereNowNetwork.com slash MindRolling, and you will see all the kind of links that you would love to have to really investigate what Sister Jenna has been doing and is doing and is planning to do. But can you tell me how you got there a little bit uh, of your transformation?
0: By default, by default. My parents got involved with the Brahma Kumaris when I was about 17 or 18, and uh, it was clear to me there was no way I was designed for this. It was just so clear. There's no way I was going to be able to do anything so sacred, so holy. And I think by the time I was 19, I bought my first house. And by the time I was 21, bought my first nightclub and bought my second nightclub in South Beach. Um, what kind of nightclub was it? Nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, think about that, um, guys. That was like over 25, 30 years ago. Mm. South Beach was just starting up. And so it was interesting because the name of the club was called The Globe. So there was something apparently already in me that I wanted to serve the world at some level or the other. But it wasn't until I got to be about 24 or 25, I was in a country. I was dating the son of the prime minister of that country. And I had this profound experience of light, the, the light that you see behind my head here. Mm. And that's what woke me up.
1: Just, <laughs> just out of the blue, not necessarily in the meditative, doing med- doing anything.
0: <laughs> I was not meditating one bit. I oh, was yes. just having a ball. Really? And, um Yeah. But, you know, some of us are just traveling with that kind of natural, innate sense of something different or something special. And I think there was always something in me about service. Mm. And that's what called me. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. There's one thing that you, that I read that you wrote or said, the mind and intellectual abilities are so very powerful. Mm. The more we understand how consciousness and thoughts work, (laughs) The greater our ability to make it through whatever situation emerges, as a result of our very own thinking,
0: mm, isn't it true? Though, yeah, I mean, aren't we where we are because of our thoughts? And I look at the mind and intellect like a marriage, you know. And if they're not getting along, there's conflict. But if they're getting along, there's just power, success, forward thinking. So for me, the intellect is the doer. And the mind is the one that is the beer, you know, there's a uh, two characters in Hindu philosophy, Rupa and Basant. one that's very quiet and beautiful. And the other one that just keeps blabbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so I think that our mind and intellect play a very huge role in understanding ourselves. Um, I think psychologists call the mind, you know, the consciousness and, um, um, I believe that if the consciousness is in trouble, then it's definitely going to interfere with the intellectual capabilities. So us being able to listen more to what these thoughts are saying can help us to make very important decisions.
1: What are the things that you've done in your own life to deal with? Uh, in a, We're pretty fixated here, or at least <laughs> I am, uh, on mind-rolling these days around Uh, how we absolutely identify with everything that we think and believe in and then see the enormous habitual patterns that are created uh, since we're babies, basically, Mm -hmm. and uh, the difficulties therein of jumping on that bandwagon and believing in that story on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it takes some real uh, effort to... Uh, leverage your perspective so that you can start to burn out that stuff and not mm. be as caught in them what what are the things that you did the practical things
0: mm. well i definitely live a very disciplined life um, something i thought i could never do to get up at 3 30 four o'clock every morning doesn't matter what country am i i'm in what time table i'm in my body just wakes up i just open my eyes it's my time. For me and God, the the consciousness of my relationship between self and the higher self, the divine. Can you just guys just imagine, I used to go to bed at seven in the morning because I used to close the club at five o'clock in the in the I, morning. You know, I can I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're good. <laughs> and you know for me to get up at three thirty four o'clock and to find sacred space and sacred silence is is huge. And so for me, it was the consistent discipline in my journey that actually started to shift uh, this vibration that has become so familiar in all of us. Uh, an acronym I use all the time called algae. A for anger, L for lust, G for greed, A for attachment, and E for ego. I'm so convinced, brothers, this is the reason why we're in the situation that we're in personally, nationally, and globally. I believe that this quality of thinking, these sanskaras, is what's creating all this chaos, and they don't need any help. They need no support.
1: Absolutely.
0: You're right? And so now, in order for me to get the opposite powerful form of the algae, um, for me to change my anger into peace, I need stability, consistency, wisdom, and benevolence. So I've been practicing these qualities for a long time, and I have no idea if I've arrived. All I do know is I'm a much kinder person. Um, I'm much more giving. I'll give to you first before I get something from you, and that's really important to me. So for me, everyone, it's discipline. I think without this, I just don't know where the power could actually stay in if I'm making the effort to attain more inner power, hmm.
1: Hmm. tough thing here in the West here that discipline stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, tell me about it.
1: Yeah. So um, do
2: you you see this this <clears throat> this practice that you 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 know uh, wake up three thirty four in the morning and then you're there with spirit and and have this practice where you can clear, and that's kind of a a clearing of channels for, for the thoughts to come for, you know, for Mm -hmm. throughout the day um, the thoughts that will come for you to have a, um, a more uh, compassionate relationship with those thoughts and to to manifest them. And I, I'd love to hear more about kind of, so you do that practice and then you're out in the world and then someone cuts you off, you know, in DC downtown or um, you know, whatever else happens. I just love to, to hear a little bit about that.
0: We have a foundation um, philosophy that resonates personally for me. It's called the Raj Yoga Meditation. And when it became clear to me that I am a soul and I'm living out my many stories, and this is the particular time, the age, the confluence age where I can make a very big transition from algae consciousness to soul consciousness. That became very clear for me. And then it became clear to me that the energy of God is an ocean of love and peace and purity. It isn't a religion. It doesn't belong to a particular group. There's not a name to God. It is more an experience. It's a vibration that's stronger than where I am right now. So in the mornings, I would sit knowing that my effort is to raise the connection, the awareness of my own quality of love and peace, and begin to feel the familiarity of it expanding in me. So that would give me an experience that I could feel there's more, there's more to me, there's more of me. And then I'd get maybe thoughts or signals, you know, what to do for the day. So um, I'd have my agenda in my mind, what's, what's up for the day. Or I would just feel the thoughts of people. Uh, I, I do a lot of pure feelings and good wishes in the morning to my humanity. And because as an instrument for the Brahma Kumaris, our agendas are full from 6 until about 10 p.m. at night. So um, everything is rolling over. But what I do know is that anything at all, brothers, anything that disturbed my peace the day before, or even when I sit early in the morning, if if the soul feels disturbed, I'm aware it's one of my sanskaras. There's something I'm holding on to. There's maybe an attachment or some ego there or something happening. So what we do in the morning, we go deeper and investigate, where is it connected to? Do I really need it? Was um, my desire stronger than my truth? And so that inner dialogue would be a consistent process between I, the soul, and the supreme. And when my great-great-grandfather, which is a spiritual one, Brahma Baba, had his awakening, he left us with such tools, brothers. He left us with the tool, know yourself. Know that you are here for a higher purpose and your capacity is huge. Don't be um, distracted by Maya, which is algae, but do good and, and be good and elevate everyone. So that's in me, Three thirty, four 4 o'clock every morning I wake up, that I have a purpose. There's something here that I'm called to do. I don't know what it is. Every morning, the thoughts are different. I can't force my meditation experience. If, whatever morning, I don't feel like I'm having the most incredible experience, I'm just glad that I took the time to get up and say good morning to myself, to send good wishes to others, and to know that the energy of God is available. And so here it is, almost 30 years later, and I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm not saying I'm enlightened, I'm the best, I'm the most powerful, it's not even important to me. I'm good because I just love the research. I love the research of my personality, the personality of others, and that has led me to becoming more acceptable of human beings. So because we have that philosophy, I have that philosophy in me, I basically wait every morning with my silence. Mm.
1: You know, we're talking about, uh, I think it'd be good because you're referencing uh, Brahma Kumaris, uh, and that's a huge inspiration for you growing up in it and all. Uh, Tell us a a little bit about who who they are and what they represent, Brahma Kumaris. Well, like I mentioned
0: to you, my spiritual great-grandfather, Brahma Baba, he had his download in the 30s, and folks in his community um, actually saw something was enlightened. In India? In Pakistan, Pakistan. before the separation Ah. of Pakistan and India in the 30s. And after a few years, 300 people moved in and lived with him. And they stayed in that condition for about 14 years. And they learned about the soul. They learned that God's the supreme energy. They learned about the philosophy of karma. They explored how we're all related. What is it that's needed at this time? And then after a while, he says, go. You know, you don't need to cling to me. Go. Go and wake up the world because he deeply believed, brothers, that women would be the catalyst for world change. And so he empowered eight young uneducated women who today we call the daddies. And Daddy jankies. is 103. Hmm. And I was just in India with her. And would you believe she still gave me the finger? Mm-hmm. She says, the finger badge over here. And I'm like, gosh, do you not miss anything? So you know, it's so powerful, brothers, to have the original founding members with you as you're walking into your truth. Mm. Sort of like Ram Dass and all of these individuals who've been there, you go, wow, is that what it's about? Mm. You know, so the Brahma Kumari started with one branch, you know, in the 30s, and now there are 9,000 branches in wow. 120 countries with a million students. Wow. And folks who study here, They really want to change.
2: Hmm.
0: They really want to change, and through their change, they're very sure the world's going to change. Hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Amazing. Is it? And I'm curious. Is it um, with speaking about change and kind of the Brahmakumari's theory of change? Is it a? Is it a a more of like a a sacred activism, or is it actually Mm -hmm. compassion and action out in the world? Um, I, I just would love to hear a little bit about, like, the how. Um, yeah, theory of change. I think is the way to say it. If, if I love
0: you- those. I love those both choices. Um, sacred activism for sure. Uh, everyone is reconnecting to their sacred self, and there's a very deep belief that any action that you perform, whether it's from washing dishes to speaking to the president of the United States, it's going to be a sacred act. And in addition to that, there's a lot of compassion because. You can't serve at the level that many of us serve at if you don't have compassion. And so um, I remembered one time, guys, um, my compassion was broken. And I would say that the second time I had that experience is about two years ago. And the first stage of my compassion being broken is that I didn't feel any inspiration to serve humanity. It's like, why bother? And that was when a little bit of the ego was creeping in. And it would just break the compassion of, which is so connected to your humility. But then two years ago, when my compassion broke, I wouldn't necessarily say it was the creeping in of the ego, but it was such a disappointment of the betrayal of my humanity. And I don't know what it was, but it hurt me so much. It hurt me so much. And as much as I knew or I know, I couldn't rush through what I was going through. And it was about eight months later, I realized that I must have had a previous incarnation where I must have been a freedom fighter, and I was fighting for people, and something hurt me so much that such choices were made. And um, once I got to that realization, I was open. My sacred activism, full on. My compassionate way of going, full on. No problem. So I think for many of us, we just need to figure out what are some of the hindrances that we go through when we're on our journey of service or, you know, making the world a better place. I think every one of us have gone through this. where We've had those very special moments where it just doesn't feel right for me right now.
1: Dark night of the soul, John. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah.
0: Talking to Michael Beckwith, I've ah. gone through that period. And she says, don't worry, I know you, you're gonna ride right through it. And I says, Michael, I've never felt it like this. She says, I know, it's gonna be fine. You're gonna pass right through it. What was the gift I got from the dark night of the soul? The gift was, gosh, I love the time that we're in. It's as if all of us was designed for this. That's how I'm feeling now. Like this is exactly what we were preparing ourselves for or what the drama, the destiny was preparing ourselves for mm. was the these times. Mm. Yeah. G- Gagan, remember how 20 years ago, nobody really wanted to hear about meditation, yoga, and spirituality. And even if they did, you know, there was a little bit of LSD connected to it, or a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And now you're like, folks want to hear, give me some tools how can i make my life better how can i feel better
2: yep i was a junior in high school then and my meditation was certainly linked to some psychedelic experiences
0: <laughs> i bad I,
2: I feel like you're you know had a, watching me from <laughs> but yeah no it's it's um it's really beautiful that you you actually see these um i mean the businesses that have come out of you know this theory of change of um, uh, humans just needing some quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ram Das has this great quote: uh, "The quieter I get, the more I can hear." Um, and um, I, I feel like uh, you know now there's uh, app companies that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars that that literally are just um, helping folks using the tools of today and the technology of today. Um, get quieter uh, so to me that's like a you know, there, there's some uh, I mean it's such a juicy time right now that we're living in and there There's a lot of ways that media is being kind of utilized in negative ways um, mm-hmm. you know in uh, and, and fear-based media and um, just uh, you know a, a attention deficit kind of um, all over the place, but then uh, there's these what I like to call media vitamins, you know, mm-hmm. these ways that maybe, uh, Hey, you're into your phone and, um, you've never been able to get into meditation, but now there's an app that yeah. has a, you know, that's meditation amazing. you can get into And I, and I know that actually maybe that's a good, a good way for you to plug. I know you have a cool, uh, a great, uh, meditation
0: app. Um, yeah.
2: maybe you could, could say something about it.
0: It's just a free app. Um, there was a 13-year-old bothering me every five minutes a few summers ago. And he's like, Sister Jenna, look at this, look at this, look at this. And he kept showing me things that made no sense. And so I basically says, Deep, is there a way that you can do do something with your time? Can you design an app? And Deep was 13 years old and he designed our app and he saved us thousands and thousands of dollars. So the app that we called is um, Pause Repeat. So it you know, focuses a lot on the various meditations, interviews that I've done, but also my very online, my very popular online radio show called America Meditating. And the Brahma Kumaris has a wonderful app called B Zone. And all of these are free of charge. We don't charge for our apps.
1: Okay, this brings up something that I am interested in and we have been what? talking about. Well, one thing you say is we give folks permission to access our soul field which then triggers what we believe in and become. And, mm-hmm. and that goes back to this when I talked about my interest in how locked in we are to our own stories, and uh, that starts from a very early age. And then all the way till now, when social media is actually designing all sorts of algorithms and so on so that they can find out what it is who we really are, what we really like, and they can serve that up on a platter. That sometimes is really astonishing how well they know our proclivities. So uh, uh, this is something that's obviously a very negative side to um, to the positive stuff around social media, um, and it it bears uh, watching what is going on now uh, and as you say many of us are experiencing an awakening as we realize to whom we have given a fair amount of authority over our collective lives so both political and both commercial um yeah yeah these are very uh it's also pretty tough when you really think about that influence with children most especially
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that because I think as adults, our power of discernment is being called to the forefront of our lives. And you can't have a very um, clear discerning ability if there isn't the virtue of honesty in your life. So I feel that we're in this age, everyone, that um, we're having to be very honest with ourselves. That means I'm checking what my thoughts are saying to me. I'm checking where these thoughts are going, what are my motives, why am I doing this even in the first place? And by checking that honesty, my discerning power just automatically is revealing itself and I'm making the right choices that I need to make for a better self and a better future. Now, as far as the children are concerned, they're going to need us to turn to. Now, I don't have any answers for the kids because parent control doesn't work on your smartphones. So we just don't know what they're seeing. And so I think we're gonna be growing through this particular time with our children because this is also new for us. And we're trying to find a way in how to support their growth and their development and keep them away from all that lower vibration, that algae-based thinking. But what I do know for sure, and there are three Cs that I think about a lot. um, If I discontinue these three Cs, criticizing, complaining, and comparing myself with others, I think my eyes will start to not have this energy of judgment and this energy of rage and disappointment. Because when we come in front of each other, our eyes say so much. And I feel that if we can just pull back from This critical way of being and and complaining all the time and, and comparing ourselves to others. I think if we turn our attention more to the divine, that's where my comparisons should be. Like, how bright can I shine? Because that's what I need to start doing. Somebody sent me a very charged video the other day. And it was all about racism and the negativity that's out there. And I just says, please don't do this. Please don't send me these videos. They're of no use to me, nor they have any use to you. This is what folks with a lot of money want us to do. They want us to keep seeing these negative images so we get numb, get scared, and become unconscious. Stop sharing those videos. If you want to share anything, share this podcast. Share something that's positive and something that's uplifting. But don't share stuff like that. So a lot of us are now so caught up in this vortex, we don't even know. Maybe it just takes folks like us to just bring it to our attention. Don't don't go there. It's a trap. It's a trap. And so um, the bait's been sent out. And we have the power to choose if we want to bite the bait or not. Or we have the power to say, you know what? At the end, it's about the goodness of my is about the goodness of my spirit. Let me choose differently, if I have a choice, at least, which we all do.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. I I mean, we, we have to take our lives over. We've got to take our lives back. And I'll tell you this. When I was in India recently, I barely used my phone. And I survived. You <laughs> and did? I, survived. I couldn't.
1: I was there, too. If I, without <laughs> that, I was... Dead meat.
0: (laughs) I survived. I survived, and I wanted that feeling. I wanted that feeling more and more. Mm. You know, so we don't really need it. So it's going to be some, it's going to take some balancing for us. I think. Yeah, it's a whole new
1: world, right?
2: Yeah, I, 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 um, you know, the the fear based media um, that you touched on. Uh, some people talk about the the world being this sphere and multiple spheres. There's a hydrosphere There's other spheres, but one of those spheres is called the Noah sphere and the Noah sphere is an information field that surrounds the earth and um, Right now at this time, unfortunately, the Noah sphere is filled with um, fear and, and, and hate um, and the, the the media I mean you can just look uh, one of my uh, good friends I was just in New York with he's uh, one of like the lead morning guys for CBS And I was talking to him about this and the thing is they've done the, the um, You know the research and the data and they find that you know, look um, <laughs> Millions more people will stay on that show if you're if you're actually giving them that um, That fear or that desire. It's usually one of two things. It's fear or desire um, the second that you go to some feel-good story, and believe me, there's so much more good happening on this planet than bad. There, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I'm an optimist. Too. I'm an eternal optimist. Much more. No, but my, it's true. You know, wife's a delight. <laughs> but, uh, but but um, you know, the, the second they 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 run some feel-good story, uh, people kind of switch off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating time that we're in right now and, and, I, and I think it's up to all of us um, and I'm actually I, I'm talking with some folks uh, I just had a call earlier today about you know, bring together some of these media sources that are doing more uh, conscious good media this podcast for instance other podcasts um, there's a, there's a um, great media organization conscious company media that covers a lot of kind of businesses being used as a force for good um, and, 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 others, you know, on and on Huffington post, there's some aspects of it where there's some really, you know, fantastic, uh, beautiful coverage. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I just, uh, it, this, this media. No yeah. And,
0: and what's happening is that they're struggling to, uh, financially support themselves because I think there needs to be two, two dimensions to it. And if you watch OWN Network, Oprah's Network, remember how she struggled to get it off the ground Mm. because it was all about the consciousness, the spirituality, the meditation. And she wasn't getting a lot of people until Tyler Perry came in and actually really started to combine, well, I can tell a story. It doesn't have to be just about positivity. And so I think there's a way in which we need to blend the narratives and put them together and not just talk all about the fairy tale. But to you know to bring light, to bring some attention of what the darkness is, and see well what have you been doing? How has it been working? And I feel that that's a time that we're in. But let me tell you, I have hope for the media. Just two weeks ago, the Washington Post did a center page coverage on the Meditation Museum in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, after a while, you get you get tired of hate, and you get exhausted with anger. And so, spaces and, and places like us and work like what we're doing, folks are going to come. The question is, are we ready?
1: You know, one of the things that's not as polarizing sounding as hate and racism and those words is simply cynicism. And that is uh, running, that's a big vein that's running through. And I know you do, you're in Washington and, and you work in that sphere, which is obviously uh, the political sphere that is so very powerful there, and, and th- those vibrations. And uh, and actually today, everybody, this will date this podcast, but I don't care, because today uh, is the day after the 2018 midterm elections in which the uh, Democrats took over the House to have some kind of counter... To this um, very uh, tough, tough environment that we've been in for a couple of years, uh, but there is a level of uh, two things going on, Sister Jenna. One, of course, the polarization is so extreme that uh, I'm, you know, many people I know who are pretty conscious people. Uh, there's a way in which it's a knee-jerk reaction to those people that are creating, I mean, one person in particular, let's say it for what it is, this hatred and this uh, this horrific environment uh, of unkindness and uh, not a drop of compa- all of that. So it's very easy. Uh, it's not easy. It just happens so knee-jerk-like to react to that in a way that's um, not going to do anything but keep that going keep that energy going and then from there people get cynical how, how are you addressing that with your friends and with people that you work with in that in Washington
0: um now I bless everyone I, I really do um my first eight months were difficult um I felt untrue to my base principles when I would speak good things and positive things because I didn't really mean it mm. But now I really send blessings to all the members on the hill, to those living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, because I feel if I don't, um, I'm not going to feel good. And it goes back to your question earlier, Raghu, that we give others permission to pollute our worlds Mm -hmm. if we can't be benevolent with our feelings with them. And so we have to check that for ourselves at whatever cost, if we are the light workers, if we are the ones that are supposed to just really open up the gates for everyone, we've got to love everyone the same. It's a quote that I lived by for a very long time. And um, I find that when I go against it, I become very partial. So being in Washington is an opportunity. And I, perhaps I'm the perfect one for it. Because you know what? What are you going to do? People are going to be what they're going to be. I'm here for me. I'm here to change my my being. I'm here to become the best human being I can be. It turns out that folks come to the museum. Turns out that people invite me on a lot of platforms. Turns out that I go to the White House for people to ask me ideas and opinions of what they can do and where they can go. But I'm here for me. And I think that as a spiritual leader, it's so important for us to get back to the days of Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad who had no idea that thousands of years later, people would still turn to their message for support. We're in an age now that we know how to brand the messages and send messages out. And that is fine because I've been there and I still have to keep things going. But deep inside of me, brothers, I just want my spirit to be so clean and so pure that I'm at peace. And that's why I'm still in Washington, D.C., so whether I'm in D.C. or in Kauai on an island enjoying the beautiful ocean over there, um, I just want to be clean as a person. And so Washington, I think, helps me to stay a little bit more in check than perhaps if I was in California or in Arizona, where there's a multitude of spirituality.
1: In Do check. Know? Does that, I like, Does that in make check. sense? Yeah, in check. You are way in check. Sister Jenna. absolutely. Uh, yeah,
0: I no, really that, do that and and I'll tell you this: I couldn't say that to you a year a year ago. Hmm. You know, and now I can tell you, yes, I have to do this for me.
1: Hmm. Well, we uh, we're right on your page. Around this is what we got: Ram Das and I, and others who are in India with Neem Karoli Baba, and hmm. it was there was only one edict. Love everyone and tell the truth, and Ramdas mm-hmm. every day is repeating that wherever we go, whatever we do, and that is uh, uh, a, a tough assignment to say the very, very least. Although I must say, Ramdas is doing pretty good.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> he always does.
2: <laughs> I, so I'm, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious because um, it's like, you know, when I when I talk to people, sometimes I mean I I've had a um a, a hard year um and have lost someone that I that I love dearly. Um and I've I've talked about that path in a way that um you know uh I I feel that I, I go through these moments of suffering um to help um you know, that, that this is a this is almost a classroom that my my soul gets to inhabit this this body for a bit and um, there, there's moments of bliss and there's moments of suffering and um unfortunately i've i've found that i learn the most maybe through through suffering in in, in some ways um not that everyone also in the bliss um and and, and in between but um you know, so so someone said to me the other day. So what? Are you a masochist? Like, are you looking for for suffering? Are you? You know, I was talking about some, uh, and 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 that's how you learn. So that's how your your soul is going to evolve through this lifetime is through, you know. And so um, I find it interesting that you've put yourself in D.C., which some which some people could find to be a very hard place to love everyone. I didn't
0: put myself here. that was transferred here. I had no choice at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can I piggyback on that? I think that suffering, what it does, it obstructs our peace and it taps us. Like, hey, pay attention. And I think what it does, it becomes a very big trigger to help us to remember um, who we are, why we're here, and what it is that we are all called to do. And so I welcome suffering. I have no no issues with it. I don't try to stay there because I feel like I need power. You know, I really need power. And they always say there's no nourishment quite like the nourishment of happiness. You know, one time this guru came to visit our headquarters in Mount Abu, India. And he went in all the rooms to visit all the sisters and brothers. And he came out and he told Daddy Chanky, you guys are not spiritual. Why is everyone so happy? <laughs> and I was like, What? what's wrong with that so I think that what happens is that um I think the purer you're becoming it's natural for the joy to increase now it's not a joy that's like look at me I'm happy you start to just feel more contented and with your contentment it becomes sort of infectious infectious and um the suffering helps us though I I know it Mm-hmm. I know, but I just don't want to be stuck there because I knew what it was like for me for those eight months, and I'm pretty mindful when stuff happens. Like I just don't want to be here; it doesn't feel right for me.
2: I do think well. That's what that's why I'm. I feel so blessed that I've found this satsang family in this mm-hmm. lifetime. I mean, Ragu mm-hmm. and the rest have really taken me under their wing, but and brought me over to more of a bhakti path. You know, more mm-hmm. of a a happy, blissful path. Because I I certainly. Uh, always a happy kid, but um, was raised, you know, uh, Jewish. I think Jews have a tendency to be on more of the <laughs> Gyan yoga path, and I would drive Ragu nuts. I mean, our <laughs> first uh, our first trip to India, we'd be on a you know ten hour uh, uh, car ride up from New Delhi to to Kenchi, where City Ma was, and I'm just, you know, he he's telling me, just you're thinking too much. <laughs> You know, we're going round and round, and I'm just questioning everything. And now, you know, a decade later, I mean, I, I, I think he might know a couple, uh, a little bit about what he's talking about. Well, of course, that <laughs> reminds
1: of Ramdas, you know, the famous line from his book, where he was riding alongside of uh, this young American, six foot five surfer, and they were going to see his guru, and he, Ramdas, just had to fill. The space with either, you know, memories of who he was, his professorship, his uh, relationship with Tim Leary, uh, or what he was going to be doing the next day or for the next meal. And finally, he got turned to by Bhagavan Das and said, Geez, can't you just be here now? That's how that happened. And here we are.
0: Can I tell you this? It gets to the point that, um, um, as we're getting closer to our ultimate perfected being, and I don't mean perfect where the world is concerned, but I think as we get closer to being comfortable with ourselves, hmm. the sign of that is your your acceptance of all different kinds of people just expands. You're just so much more accepting and non-judgmental. And these are some of the signs that we can look for to really recognize if my spiritual path is really working for me. It's not to say it's going to be perfect. We're going to go through a lot because we're facing ourselves. There's it? um, Baba Maharaj once said that the difference between a spiritual person and a non-spiritual person is that the spiritual person is aware of their weaknesses. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that was big for me because it was true.
1: Yeah. One of the things that you do talk about, which, and I love the phrase is, uh, The neglect of inner being uh, that is our birthright. Uh, Seemingly that once we get into a body, we're good for about six months, okay? And then the gigantic, uh, I am this, I am that, I am named... I have a bunch of crazy adults. Uh, Audie Shanti, I don't know if you know who he is, but I love his experience when he was a child. He looked around. What are these people doing? What is going on? They're so disturbed. And and then he finally, a few years later, realizes I get it. They're insane. They believe their thoughts. Okay. So so that uh, this uh, this cons- the consistency of neglect of inner being. I think goes a long way to everything that is that is happening within each of us. And and in terms of our uh, talking about what's going on in Washington, uh, Mm. our neglect of that uh, is causing a lot of consternation for us. And Mm -hmm. of course, it is causing uh, the more unconscious it gets for each person, then it uh, then it really becomes a problem. I mean, which we are in now
0: and and how interesting it is because now after post midterm elections we have the youngest latino yeah, woman in congress fantastic. we have transgender members now in congress we had over 100 women that ran for office a lot of the seats in the red states have now been taken over by the blue it's almost as if it all, it had to be this energy to force everything out you know and the neglect had to reach this level that we had to wake up. And I would call the neglect karmic, that we're just in this karmic cycle right now of all the rollover karmas that we've been through individually and collectively. And wherever you are, whatever country, state, land, relationship that you're in, you're gonna find yourself having to give what you want the most from that entity. So whether I want something from America, or I want something from my wife, or I want something from my child, then that's your signal, I have to give that. Because it wouldn't be so annoying, it wouldn't feel so charged in my system if it wasn't signaling to me, Mm. that's something you have to give more of.
1: Yeah, beautifully put, Sister Jenna, just beautiful. Mm. Um, You know, Gagan, we do need to do a call out because I have found, uh, I don't know if that's what you call it, but we had a dear friend pass yesterday who so emblemized the kind of work that you've been doing, but certainly uh, turning compassion into action, Bernie Glassman, Roshi Bernie Glassman. I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, an extraordinary man who uh, did so much on the ground, Uh, I mean, feeding homeless in in New York and uh, created a bakery for homeless people to run
2: well, and and, and the, the big thing there, I just want to name because it, it's he it, it, it truly was a pioneer in this, um, in starting Grayston Bakery um, in upstate New York and uh, found that there was a lot of um, uh, formerly incarcerated folks that were living in that community and were having mm-hmm. a very hard time finding work. And so he started a, an open hiring policy uh, where those folks could um, come in and they wouldn't be asked about about that um and um it's it's a revolutionary concept when he started it now it's it's become um more widely accepted with a lot of um businesses that believe in that kind of thing that that you know um there is redemption that 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 mm. recidivism is is important and we're stuck in a uh, um in a in a cycle of um filling these these prisons in our and uh, a kind of a We're in a circular, you know, um, thing and and he really was a was a pioneer in that and and should be um, remembered for for that piece, especially amongst all the teachings and everything he's done. um, uh, That is probably the most impressive to me. And it's really grown that movement around open hiring.
0: How fantastic! Because I think he got a gift from the universe, because they just passed Amendment Four, which actually gave one point four million incarcerated folks the right to vote now. Yeah. So look, Bernie, you got your gift. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> They're right. listening to you. Uh, yeah. So that's fantastic to hear.
1: Yeah. And yeah. But uh, those who are really working on turning compassion. Into action, a very very difficult thing. There's a lot of push against that from the forces that uh, are, are, want things to be dark, not light. So, uh, thank you. But haven't for, you
0: found that? Haven't you found that when you are called, let's say Bernie was called, and you've been called, doesn't matter how dark the light gets, it's it's almost going to help you, because you're in it for all the right reasons. There's some of us who have acquired the skills of how to do certain things and that's fine. I think the darkness can definitely extinguish your light. But for those of, you know, folks who are just like born for this, haven't you found like no matter how dark the light is, it can't extinguish their light.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Absolutely.
2: Yeah. No, I'm remembering a story that, that Krishna Das told uh, last year where Bernie would take groups of them over to, um, the concentration camps. Mm. Uh, to, to bear witness um, and 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 just be there to, to bear witness um, in the camps like Auschwitz and, and others and um, talk about dark places
0: mm. um, So with the we you know with, with us together on this incredible conversation that we're having from these I, here I go the interviewer sorry if I go <laughs>
1: yeah no, that's okay. reversal is good
0: like when you really when you go deep in your heart, right? What really is calling you to participate in this really ultimate shift? Or are we already doing it? Are we just living it? When I was talking to Carolyn Mace the other day, I says, Carolyn, are you telling me that all that we've been through, this is what happened? This is like a year ago, right? (laughs) And we ended up laughing. And we were like, we can't stop our work. It's like each of us have to keep putting our work forward. But have you ever thought of, Something more and I don't know if that's just the ego speaking Like I love when you were talking about bringing media groups together That are doing a lot of conscious work and a lot of good like that like
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that really calls me and, and Raghu knows this but um, I chair an organization uh, That started was started 30 years ago called social venture network it, We merged it this year with investor circle and now call it social venture circle but um We have a, um, there's a calling right now that we've felt and we're answering um, to bring together a lot of the um, social impact organizations. So the social entrepreneur networks of social entrepreneurs, along with impact investors um, to galvanize this movement of business as a force for good. Um, And when I I think about how, the reason that my mind jumps to that, why I think it's so important at this moment in time is that, you know, all throughout history, we've kind of always looked to, uh, the tallest buildings, um, that, that have the most influence in our society. So at a certain point, it was, um, the kingdoms at a certain point, it was the churches. And right now it's, it's the skyscrapers, it's the businesses. Um, and, um, I think that, um, on a symptomatic level on our human level, where we're at right now, there is a lot of suffering in the world. Um, and, um, the that uh, that the, the business can be a massive lever to reduce some of that su- that symptomatic suffering that's happening on the planet. So um, that that's a calling that I'm putting a, a significant amount of energy into is is really galvanizing um, these these this network effect uh, of uh, businesses uh, to come together and work on specific initiatives. Um, you know, one of the big ones, obviously, being around climate change um and um and another you know uh, of course human rights and anti- xenophobia and and other aspects in that but that that's really where I'm being called um and um in this world the underlying you know piece is the is the consciousness work yeah um mm-hmm. is is none of, all of that as we know is just manifesting in the world um as symptoms of an underlying you know um, uh, Uh, Sleepwalking people not Mm -hmm. having compassion for themselves and for each other and for the planet and so the more that we can do media like this I actually think that that experiences like your museum apps like we talked about media like this there These have the potential to help um, folks move from from a a self to shared vantage point and towards spirit and to uh, then um, you know, truly, uh, become, um, put that compassion into action in the world. Like I just spoke about that. That's what calls me
1: from the movie of me to the movie of we is, is yes. the subject that we have been investigating, uh, for many, many, many months uh, now. And this is a nice addition to that. I would say in response to what you just said and to, uh, and I've been thinking about it all through this podcast, uh, that there is a huge uh, necessity for each person to really do the work inside and know themselves and do the work inside that is going to transform that mini-me. Until that happens... There's no way that you can be effective doing anything in the world, social action. Bernie Glassman, who's our little example here, little, big one, Roshi Glassman, did tremendous amount of work on himself, both, both uh, uh, meditatively, philosophically, psychologically. Uh, so he was able to do the, the, the kind of work he did that led people into really tough situations where they could not be hanging on to that uh, mini-me thing, that ego, mm. that identification with separateness.
0: So, mm. yeah. It's interesting because when I look back at my life, I can see that um, I'm being designed to be a translator. And mm. for me, it's the combination of the secular with the spiritual. And I'm very comfortable in both worlds. I'm, I'm not, I am not have no interest for the secular world, but I just know I need it. I needed to begin to bridge certain narratives in order for it to really go far and wide. Mm. And I started to kind of play back my life a little bit recently. Um, Why can I I sit on the floor with children from detention centers and have a wonderful time and I can be having dinner at the White House? And to me, they're the same people. So I started to recognize the need for more translators, people who are just curious about the hearts of everyone, but also the the coming together of these two very different worlds and saying we have so much more in common than we have um, not. A friend of mine, Deborah Green, started this app called Live a Moment, and she started a movement called I Breathe, You Breathe. Mm. I Feel, You Feel. And every time I go back to that concept and that idea, it just brings everything to the table. Like we're all in this together. Yeah. And so as you said, the movie from me to we, you know, and I think just all of us galvanizing our talents, we're making a very huge shift. I feel the light, I feel the dark is feeling the light. And that's why it's so chaotic and that's why it's so aggressive. And that's why it's so angry right now, because it feels as if the light is kicking it out of the story. So it's just kicking and screaming, the light is actually prevailing. Mm.
1: I really believe it. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So great to have you here, Sister Jenna. Yes. So it's a wonderful. privilege. It's and, uh, I'm
0: Sorry and, I had a flu today, but well, what to do? seemed <laughs> fine
1: to me. And again, thank you for joining as well. And, uh, and introducing Sister Jenna to me. I've been, I'm really appreciative of that. Thank you. uh, um, as I said earlier in the podcast, everything in terms of connecting with Sister Jenna will be available uh, on uh, BeHereNowNetwork.com slash mindrolling on the show notes, and you'll be able to see the video uh, aside from uh, your iTunes feed and Stitcher and whatever else you use to listen to these podcasts. So, Uh, Thank you again, and we shall uh, see you all next week. Bye-bye.